When I was five years sober, I went on antidepressants and once they had kicked in, I realized I had been depressed all of my life. And that was, that was actually that idea in itself was a little overwhelming, but I felt so much better. I felt so much better that, I, you know, I was like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting to be like, yay, all the time, you know, or not have any sad feelings or any of that, you know, or even being flatlined because that doesn't happen either. You know, it's that, you know, when sad things happen, I'm sad. And when happy things happen, I'm happy. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to another episode of Recovered Life. I am here with spiritual transformation coach, Kevin Klein. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm great. How are you? Really good. Really good to see you and always fun episodes with my buddy, Kevin Klein. And today we're talking about mental. I hope so too, right? You know, today we're going to talk about mental health in recovery. And what I really want to address here is the, the, the transition between people that are coming in, having mental, you know, having addiction issues and they're going through the process of getting sober, but through that things arise and you start to identify that maybe it's more than just addiction problems. Maybe there's some other underlining mental health issues. And I want to talk with you about that because it's not talked a lot about uh, in the 12-step community and that there's just one thing that fixes all. And we know that that's not true. So I want to kind of address that. When do you know, Kevin, that maybe there's something else going on besides addiction? Well, some of these things I, I, I want to say to whoever's listening that some of these things can be difficult to identify. So it's really, really important that you have um, somebody that you feel comfortable enough with to talk to about this stuff. And as Damon said, this isn't talked about a lot in 12-step programs, sadly. Um, I will break my medication anonymity. Um, when I was five years sober, I went on antidepressants and once they had kicked in, I realized I had been depressed all of my life. And that was, that was actually that idea in itself was a little overwhelming, but I felt so much better. I felt so much better that, you know, I was like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting to be like, yay, all the time, you know, or not have any sad feelings or any of that you know, or even being flatlined because that doesn't happen either. You know, it's that, you know, when sad things happen, I'm sad. And when happy things happen, I'm happy. And Mm -hmm. that if sad things happen, I'm not hooked into it for three or four months, you know, and when happy things happy, I'm happy as long as I remember the joke or whatever it is. And then I like go on about my day, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it pops up and I laugh a little bit again. Right. So, uh, um, but, You know, there's all kinds of things that alcoholics tend to gravitate towards. And one of them is is depression and one of them is anxiety. And one of them is, um, uh, uh, oh, Dave and I were talking about as you get older, the words just fly out of your head. Exactly. Well, you know, and I Um, should I should mention here, too, Kevin, is that both you and I are not doctors and that that if there's somebody out there that feels that they have mental health issues 
you need to go to a professional person to get diagnosed and to discuss that with the appropriate people, right? But I think the one thing that we can address that's that that we've that we've talked about in the past is that there are normal things that happen, like anxiety or feelings of dread when you first get sober, or being extremely fearful, or having kind of unstable emotions. These are all very common to somebody who is getting sober. But then after you you've been physically sober for a little bit, there might be other things that are coming up that you can recognize in people that you know what that has nothing to do necessarily with recovery. Right. Right. And, and when I say talk to somebody that you trust, is it so they can give you a diagnosis? It's so they can, they can um, uh, like um, verbally talk back to you, not at you, but to you about mm-hmm. what this is. And somebody that's outside of our own heads can tend to have a little bit better uh, reaction to this and like, you know, see things a little differently than we can when we're in the middle of it. Um, and the other thing I really want to say, well, I mean, besides I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, um, I'm not an MD, I'm not a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in the program or been in 12 step, lots of them for a very long time. And I have seen a lot of people, uh, in 12 step programs that have other issues. I'll put in quotes. And that a lot of them have gotten help from outside sources and some of them have it. And I can see the difference. Um, I've lived with people who haven't been medicated. I really wish they had. But um, once once someone talks to you and says, you know, um, you know, I actually had that, you know, and then, you know, I did this and that. And and Mm. we talked about it. And then I was like, you know, it's like so I went and saw. Um, you know, I seeked out professional help and, um, and I'm so grateful that I did, but we don't talk about it in program. Yeah. You know, in 12 yeah. step people, whether it's, there's, whether it's this fear of catching it, um, there's shame or there's, um, you know, if you take any kind of medication, you're not sober because absolutely the people that didn't even graduate high school are professionally capable of diagnosing someone with mental issues. Right wrong yeah. you know they don't yeah. they don't have they don't have the uh the be all and end all of these things and um uh things like um antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications are not they're not uh medications that are going to put you down for the count yeah there are not well i think i think too is that there's a lot of misinformation and i think Absolutely. that people mean well because you know when you maybe go into a 12 step program it might not even be a 12 step it might be a church group it might be a re, it might be some sort of support group that you're in and you know i i think the last thing that people want to do that are involved in this is to get people in a position where they're going to relapse because they've taken some medication that they're unaware of, right? That's not really what we're talking about. What we're really talking about is people that have really distinct, like you, you, you discussed your own depression, that you were going through your own depression and you probably reached a level in your sobriety that you worked very, very hard for, but you really couldn't get past where you needed to go. You couldn't get to where you needed to go because you were blocked by other things that were in the way. I had, I had been through the steps three times, you know, I, you know, I have a very, very close relationship in my opinion with God. Um, you know, I was, I was in therapy, hardcore. I mean, I was doing 
everything, writing copious amounts. I was doing everything I could. But when that that cloud rolled, that dark cloud rolled in, there was nothing I could do about it. And I didn't know that I had a an imbalance in my brain chemistry. You know, we don't have a problem saying, oh, I have a problem with my kidney. What should we do about it? Right. Yeah. I have a problem in my mouth. What should we do about it in my nose or my eyes? But once we get above the eyes, all of a sudden it's like, ah, you know, that's that's ridiculous. You know, the brain is part of our body and it deserves to have every bit as much health as every other part of our body. So, yeah, if you talk to somebody you can trust and they suggest that you go to a doctor, please listen to them, you know, because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say, no, you know, maybe that isn't that. Maybe it's something over here that, you know, is just different than what you might be thinking. And and you can discuss with them. It's like, okay, so what would you say I should do? And, you know, discuss that with them and say, okay, if it's a medication, well, what is that medication? You know, what is it? What does it do? You know, and have have a really good talk. And the other thing I would suggest, and I've only once not taken my own advice, and I deeply, deeply am not happy with myself. I'll just put it that way. (laughs) That um, that person that you trusted to talk about it with you, take them in with you to the doctor. Because it's always better when you're facing something that's really maybe hard to hear that you have a, se- a second set of ears mm-hmm. in the room with you that, that exactly. don't that aren't as aren't as emotionally attached to a particular outcome. And I think you know? the re- I think the reverse is true as well. Like I think a lot of people come in to recovery thinking that they have every mental health disorder there is, but they've never stayed. So, you know, they've been drinking and doing drugs for 30 years straight and they, and they're experiencing all these emotions for the first time. And they think they have all of these mental health disorders, but in reality, they just need to get sober. Right. And those work themselves out. The ones that don't work themselves out is, is really what we're talking about. You know, those ones that, where you still, you know, maybe like you, like you, your experience, you were working, 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 you did everything that you could possibly do, but you're still in this place. That's not that you really shouldn't be with the work that you put in. Right. And, and because, well, I don't know about you, but when I came in, when everything started to, the fog started to lift and all of these feelings and everything started to like hit me, you know, like, dead on it was overwhelming to me it was overwhelming and you know i just well besides going to crap loads of meetings and staying as close to people as i could you know and not being alone with this by myself Mm -hmm. you know i when push came to shove and a psychiatrist wanted to prescribe something to me and this is when i was five years sober you know, I was afraid I was going to lose my sobriety because of things I had heard in meetings. And I'm like, oh, no, no. And he's like looking at me like I'm crazy because I don't want to take medication. Right. So mm-hmm. I went home and it didn't matter that the the woman that I was living with was a psych nurse because, you know, well, what does she know? Right. And so I called up somebody that intuitively I had a feeling would know. And mm-hmm. this is not something that my, my, my girlfriend suggested. It was just that I called her sponsor and I talked to her and I didn't know that she had the same situation going on. And so she talked to me 
You know, she talked about that cloud moving in and all this stuff because she had a reference point for it. And then she explained what the antidepressants were that I didn't know that they weren't drugs, you know, that they Uh were just replacing body chemistry that I was missing, you know? And I'm like, Oh, you know, it's like, wow. Okay. And so after that point, you know, when I, when I was taking the medication and it kicked in and I felt like, I felt like normal, whatever the heck that is, but I felt like normal. And I would get up to a podium and I would start talking and, and, you know, and I would talk about this and, you know, and I would basically dare anybody to come up and try mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. say anything to me afterwards, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's important because, because I had done everything I could think of. I mean, I couldn't yeah. believe that this was still happening at five and a half years of sobriety. Right. And, and I was doing everything. And, and this woman even told me, she said, you can write until your fingers like fall off exactly. and it's not going to take care of this. Right. And I think, don't um, you, don't you think Kevin too, that, that one of the signs that, you know, that I have seen and experienced firsthand in 12 step groups. And, and this is unfortunate and it's not every 12 step group, by the way, if people are listening to this, it's not everybody feels this way, but there are things that people get stuck and they have done the work. Right. And it's, I think the difference is in early sobriety, especially, or if you're working things out, even in later sobriety, if you've been sober for a while. If you're, if you're using these medications and stuff to try to escape any feeling or dealing with anything is much different, <laughs> right? Which Good is luck. what, yeah, exactly. Good luck. It, it, it is much different than dealing with an issue that's prevalent after you've done the work and, and I, I can see, so, I've seen so many people that are just tortured, you know, with anxiety and depression and bipolar disorder and BPD and you name it stuck thinking that somehow there's some magic inventory, some magic steps, something that's going to happen. And, and I say it's the wrong medicine for the affliction. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because again, there's there's no shame. There's no shame in having a mental illness, right? Just like there's no shame in having diabetes or there's no shame in, in getting um, kidney stones. There's no shame in this stuff other than what you want to hang on to, right? Or some, somebody tried to give you that shame and you can say, no, thank you. You can own that all you want to. It's not mine, right? Um. But the other problem, too, is that I think that that whether it's depression, which a lot of people have just in general society these days. um, But if it's if it's bipolar or it's or it's other things, our society in general has um, associated a lot of shame with that, which, again, they can own that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you know. There's no shame in having this, you know, just like there's no shame in having diabetes. There's really no shame in having cancer. There's no shame in any of this. You know, it's about going and seeking help, you know, from from professionals, from um, uh, psychiatrists. You know, I mean, you may you may end up going to a therapist which has an inkling to refer you to a psychiatrist. 
because some of these things it's like, yes, once you're medicated, you can, you can talk about it from a different angle, but the person that's going to actually have a conversation with you about medication will really be a psychiatrist. And there's no shame in going to a psychiatrist. Well, you, you mentioned, you mentioned shame and I think where, why this is, and just look, I, I already know that by just doing this episode, we talked about this by just doing this episode, Kevin, we're going to get comments galore on this. This will upset people. This will trigger people. This will, th- th- this topic. Maybe not, maybe not those in recovered life. though. Maybe not those in recovered life. Yes. But in general, this triggers people. I mean, I have seen 12 step groups break up over this. I have seen like really almost fist fights. I mean, really people being tortured, like, you know, and, and I, and, and I How think the thing, them? no, How and I, I, you know, very, very recent, honestly, well, the last couple of years well, now it's getting better. It's getting, and you know, look, you and I have been sober for decades, so it's getting better. You didn't hear about this in the nineties. You didn't discuss this at all. Right. Yeah. Even the early two thousands, you didn't really discuss happened. this and bad things happened, you know, and we, and, and people unraveled and it had nothing to do with them being sober. Right. It really not. It didn't help that they were drinking. But in a way, sometimes those people were self-medicating. It wasn't alcoholism that was really the issue. So you and I have seen this and experienced this firsthand and probably even sponsored people. Right. Who, who have who have oh, gone yeah. through this. Yeah. And it it's really it's it's such a hot button issue. And I think one of the reasons why and I want to ask your opinion on this is that shame is a very low energy. And so many people come in and they think they have fear. That's an emotion attached to their alcoholism, and they do, but they also have shame attached to them. So this lines right up with the shame, right? That feeling of shame, and it really pushes people's buttons. Well, you know, you and I have talked about the difference between guilt and shame, right? And both there's fear attached to both of them, right? Guilt is about something that somebody does. If I do something that I know is not right, I mean, really, you know? And, you know, then I will have guilt about it because I know I shouldn't have done it. Shame is about something I think I am. It's about something that happened when I was a child, you know, and somebody said, oh, you know, and tried to ascribe me, you know, they tried to put off their own shame onto me because of something that they were doing that they should not have done to me. Right. And I won't go into that now. That's an entirely different discussion. But. Shame, when, when my first therapist talked about that with me, you know, guilt is about what something you've done and shame is about who you think you are. And mm-hmm. if you've got shame, if you can figure out, if you can figure out, is this guilt or is this shame? I want to let you know that shame, shame is not, is, is not, is not about who you are. It's about who somebody else try to tell you who you are. Um, now I have sponsored getting back to getting back to the discussion. I have sponsored a number of people who have bipolar disorder, right? And um, one of them, he even he was even in um, <clears throat> a particular hospital, and I will not mention that. And for a week, and he was not diagnosed correctly. And he went to a bunch of different therapists, and I thought he was maybe shopping for the answer he wanted to hear. And that was not it at all. 
you know, and he, 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 he went to this, this last guy and it showed up and this guy was a little interesting, but he sat down and in five minutes, the guy's looking at him, well, you have bipolar disorder. And he's like, yeah. Oh, so then he was able to go and get confrontive with the people who had misdiagnosed him. Right. Cause if you, if you've got bipolar and they're just giving you medication for just depression, it ain't going to work. Right. Yeah. So, um, but again, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, there's, there's, um, there are people with bipolar. We have people in, in 12 steps that have schizophrenia. God love them. I wish we could get yeah. medication for that. Right. And you know, and, and like, sometimes well, the solution isn't always medication. Sometimes it's true. therapy. So it's a, most of the time right. it's not medication. Actually, you might have some sort of trauma mm -hmm. or other things going on with you. Right. That have really nothing. They, they, it's related somewhat to recovery because you're in recovery, but the mm -hmm. solution might not be what you what you practice to get sober, right? It might be a different application. And that's what I want to talk with you about is the warning signs of this, that you might have this. Now, I've always, I, I've always kind of thought about this as far as recovery in any kind of mental health thing. Sometimes, mm -hmm. especially in early recovery, but it could be you have decades of recovery and are going through a life situation. Maybe there's a death. Maybe there's a birth, maybe there's a whatever, right? Some big life experience that happens, something with an employment and you feel, and you have a range of emotions. I, I, I don't necessarily think that that is necessarily a mental health issue in itself. If things start to repeat over and over and over, and you've like you're talking about this dark cloud that comes in and it's it it comes in all the time right and it's repetitive and you have you've applied all these things that that would normally work in your sobriety and you come up empty and kind of bewildered at the end of it that is a very clear sign that maybe possibly something else is going on wouldn't you agree i i absolutely agree and it's there are a couple things one it's really important when I said to have somebody that you could trust to talk to, it's really important to have, whether you call it a mentor or a sponsor or whatever that person is that has been down the road for quite a while. Okay. That's, that's got, that's been through a lot of different life issues. It doesn't necessarily have to be this. It might help mm -hmm. that it's been this, right. But it doesn't have to be this that can get a clearer picture again because they're like not they're outside you know i talked to a sponsee recently I, you know i told her about some things that i saw in her some of her behavior and she didn't really understand that that's where people might be seeing her and i'm like yeah you know this is this is what i see she's like oh okay right hmm. so if, if you talk to somebody that's outside your own head which is usually a good idea it's worked for me in the past once or twice you know and, and talk to them and go, okay, this is, this is what I'm feeling. And when this happens, then, you know, then I feel this and then, and then I do this and I do this and I do this. And then I get frustrated. You know, what, you know, what do you think? Right. And if someone's been around the block a bunch of times, you know, um, not just work the, the steps, I'll say even once my opinion, mm -hmm. I'll, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. And, and someone that has, in my opinion, a, a good, spiritual program you know that they have a, they have a relationship with yeah they're the they're walking community. the walk and talking the talk they're doing it yeah 
for real, for real, for real. Right? Yeah. And talk to them and get as honest as you can with them. Right. Because I have one sponsee who I had to talk to a while about this, you know, things, you know, and I wasn't going to say, Hey, this is your diagnosis, you know, but I would say this was my experience, mm -hmm. you know, and this is what happened and this is what I did about it. And now I, you know, feel, you know, and I did, I did over that. And I said those things a whole bunch of times until she could connect with it for herself. And, and this is the reason we wanted to do this episode because both Kevin and I have seen people really suffer and some bad things happen because the feeling yeah. of getting mental health, some, some sort of help means that they're somehow not working a good program, not, not sober, not whatever. And it, 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 it's, you know, to me, it's a bit ridiculous, honestly, but it's easy to get sucked into that. And, you know, and, and honestly, at the end of it, my experience has been with working with others and just being a viewer, right. And going through life sober is that you're at a much greater risk of drinking and using drugs and getting back into addiction and moving out of a spiritual insane life. If you are, have an untreated mental illness in recovery, you're at much bigger risk of, of, of doing that. And so that's why we wanted to kind of do this episode to kind of shine the light on this, right? About if, if you're in a position where you need outside help, get outside help. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're feeling depressed and if, again, it feels like something you have no control over or, or you know, it's like, you know, you're biting your fingernails off to your knuckles because you're anxious a lot or, you know, you can't get any decent sleep. And I'm not talking about in your first six months of sobriety because nobody sleeps in your first six months. Um, or, or, or there's obsessive compulsive things. You got to do things over and over in life. And you haven't told anybody about this because you feel ashamed. Please don't, please don't mm -hmm. feel ashamed. You know, talk to somebody. Right. And, um, and so that, that you can get help that you deserve. You deserve to get mm -hmm. help because yes, Damon's right over the years because I got sober in the eighties and it's like, I have seen and heard about people who have gone out and committed suicide behind this stuff or people that, that, you know, because of the shame they had, because they were afraid to talk to anybody about it, you know, cause like, Oh my God, what's wrong with me. Right. And they mm -hmm. end up drinking because they're trying to medicate what it yeah. is they think that they have. When they haven't got a diagnosis, they haven't talked to anybody about it, you know, and that's a really, that's a real shame because they might not get back ever, ever. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's really sad. And, you know, and when I say, you know, people do suicide, you know, it can be behind putting a gun in your mouth. It can be behind, you know, taking, you know, mm -hmm. four bottles of aspirin. It can be behind. Uh, running your car off the road. I mean, we're, you or, know. or simply Kevin, just not living your best recovered life. It doesn't Absolutely. even have to be dramatic, right? It could right. be, it could be, it could be something that just is a grading thing. You've been sober 20, 30 years that you've never really been able to shake. Right. And maybe yeah. there's something else going on, but your head is filled with, well, this the shame and guilt, which I think that you you said is like, well, maybe I'm just not 
working a good enough program or committed enough or honest enough or spiritual enough or whatever. And quite possibly it has nothing to do with any of that. Right. Correct. So I think the message here, right, is that if you feel that you need help, and of course, you know, again, just a little disclaimer, Kevin and I are not doctors and not diagnosing anyone. Um, and, and what we're telling you actually is that is to uh, go talk with the people that actually have the answers, just like maybe when you walked into that 12-step program or rehab or whatever, because they had the answers for you to help get you sober. You got to do the exact same thing when it comes to mental health issues. Or, or, help, or helped with, with the other programs. You know, we, there's like sister programs, you know, that, that um, are close to, to alcoholics. And, oops, um, that yeah. other program. <laughs> and um, that um, they can suffer from the same issues too, even though bending their elbow wasn't their particular problem when they came into program. Their mm -hmm. program had a different thing involved, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it isn't. It actually isn't. I mean, I think. I think. I think everybody could 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 get value out of working steps and being in a program. Yes, um, my opinion. Um, but there's a lot of people, just in general, just in general in society, who have this, that don't have. Don't don't sit in front of Damon and I, yeah. and don't have anybody just like a friend that can you can go say, hey, this is what's coming up, and I feel kind of weird about it. But can I talk to you? You know, um. So if you're listening to this on YouTube and you don't have somebody, if you've got a family member you trust, you know that you're that you're you're close to, or you have somebody else, um, if you've got a minister that that you feel like you can trust with this kind of information, if you've got somebody that you can talk to, please, mm -hmm. please, because you're worth it. Everybody deserves to have their best life, their mm -hmm. best recovered life. And yes, when, before I, before I was on antidepressants, I was, you know, I was working and I was doing a heck of a job and I was doing all of this stuff, you know, and and I don't know how, how much further I had until I did a crash and burn. You know, I mean, I know when I, when I came into 12 step, right. But I know that now I'm living a much healthier, mm -hmm. much more beneficial, much more sacred life, much more useful life than I was before. And I, you know, everybody I've ever talked to, everybody wants to be happy and useful, you know, they yeah. want to be of service. They want to make a difference in the world, you know? Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your experience uh, with depression uh, in recovery and, yeah. you know, working with others. I think this is a really beneficial episode and we'd love to hear your comments. You know, we're going to put a thread on this in recovered life. Dot us. So go ahead and you can sign up there if you're watching this on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, any of the channels on the podcast, any of this stuff. If you feel you want to join in on the discussion, come to recoveredlife.us and you can also connect with uh, my good friend, Kevin Klein. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you very much. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.